Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I'm Brian and this is Our Weird World. So it's the middle of October. We're getting closer to Halloween now. I'm pretty excited about that. My kids have their costumes for going out and uh, trick-or-treating and all that come Halloween. So I'm really excited about that. My son's birthday is actually October 30th, so we're going to have a little uh, birthday party for him, uh, which is nice because it's on a Sunday and then Halloween's on Monday this year. I'm going to actually take work off so I can go out with my kids because I like being able to hang out with them and go trick-or-treating with them. It's fun. They enjoy it. You know, my son's going to be four. My daughter's eight now, so they're at those ages where it's fun for them to go out and and get candy and all that, so I'm looking forward to it. Anyways, being that it's October, I want to continue along with some Halloween-themed episodes. This is going to be no different. So what am I talking about today? So I'm actually talking about the Dybbuk box. You may have heard about this. It's been featured on a lot of documentaries, a lot of various um, sort of like ghost hunting shows. I know uh, Zach Baggins actually purchased this specific Dybbuk box, had it featured on one of his shows. Um, I believe he they had an episode on their show Ghost Adventures, if I remember correctly. But anyways, I'll talk a little bit more about his involvement with it later. But what is this Dybbuk box? There are other Dybbuk boxes supposedly in existence in the world, but I'm talking about this very specific one. So let's first talk about the word Dybbuk. What exactly is that word? So the word Dybbuk actually comes from Jewish uh, mythology or folklore, and I'm not going to even try to pronounce the Yiddish version of it. I know I'll totally botch that. From It's a Hebrew verb meaning adhere or cling. Now there's also a definition of this specific, what a Dybbuk is, basically a cleavage of an evil spirit or basically it's a spirit that attaches itself to others basically it's a demonic spirit so it's also known to be basically a malicious possessing spirit believed to be basically a dislocated soul of another dead person and it attaches itself to you or another living host so basically once a person is possessed by a dybbuk essentially it won't leave until you have an exorcism performed or you die or the person that it's possessing dies so that's 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 really bad right that that sounds pretty terrible so notably historically uh, mental illness was typically brushed off as a person just quote having a dybbuk and basically needing to get have it them be rid of it you know through exorcism or they pass away later um, if an exorcism was performed on said person and was successful uh, it was said that the dybbuks would leave the host and return to where they came from or the other side. So it, it seemed like having an exorcism performed on somebody that had a Dybbuk attached to them was a good option, was the best option. So part of this mythology or folklore is that Dybbuks would come to our side of existence basically through uh, on riding on, on black dogs or cats. That was kind of how they would get here. So it was thought that having a black dog or a black cat was not good it was like a bad omen right like nobody wanted to be have a black dog or black cat or or near them because they thought that dybbuks were basically catching a ride with them onto our plane of existence where they could jump off the the animal the dog or cat and possess a human i think a part of that goes back to the whole mythology of uh of black cats and all that and crossing the path of black cat etc whatever don't take my word for that exactly but i think that's kind of a part of that mythology of black cats is, I think this is just one part of it. Now, it's important to note that in doing research for this and reading about Dybbuk boxes, 
it's supposedly they're so evil that even looking at pictures of them can bring about a curse or I don't necessarily believe that, especially with what I'm going to read at the end, and, and you'll see why. So if you're out there searching for it online, just, just take that with a grain of salt, supposedly, it, but you know, it's online looking at it on computer. I don't know. Anyways, I, I personally don't believe in that. Anyways, let, let's let's get more into this. So we talked about what a Dybbuk is. So what is this Dybbuk box, especially this specific one? So this particular Dybbuk box, the original story came about, so in 2001, this box showed up on eBay. Now, eBay, if you aren't aware, is an online auction website. Some items you can do like a purchase now option. So this gentleman by the name of Kevin Manis, who owned an antique store, he's the one that posted online on eBay to sell. Now, according to him, he had purchased this box from an estate sale and he supposedly purchased it from a woman or rather, I believe it was the granddaughter of this woman. Now, this woman supposedly had survived the Holocaust and later According to the story, later she had passed away at the age of 103, but not before instructing her family to not open the box. Basically, she warned everybody, do not open this. Don't do it. So this granddaughter, that's right. Yeah, so it was the granddaughter. She sold said box to Kevin at an estate sale, but she warned him to never open it. I think she was trying to just get rid of it. She didn't want it because of you know what her grandmother told her. So this gentleman agreed to buy it and he said, yeah, okay, I won't, sure, I'll heed your warning, I won't open it. Now the granddaughter, she also told him that this box had been in her family for basically as long as she could remember. It was always around. So Kevin, the guy that purchased it, he actually offered to give it back to her at one point, um, basically assuming that it had sentimental value to her and the family. But the granddaughter, she said no, that she insisted she didn't want it and that, that he keep it. So Kevin, he took this box that he had purchased, he took it back to his antique shop. Um, he didn't place it in the, the sales area before he actually put it in the basement. So he left it there and he actually went out leaving this box there. He went out to run errands or something. Um, he was out away from his store. Now, while he was gone, he actually got a call from one of his employees who was basically just, they were freaking out after they he brought this box in. So he came back to the shop and basically wondering what's going on. And when he came into the, the shop and into the basement, he said he had this, there was a strong odor of jasmine flowers. So jasmine flowers, they're a considered a delicate and and or dainty small flower. They ha, they're known around the world for their if you will tropical smell and pretty blossoms. They're actually a really pretty flower. It's like uh, it has five petals that are white with a little yellow kind of star in the middle because of the the five uh, petal pattern. Really pretty, really nice looking looking flower. You can grow them in a pot, hang them in baskets, whatever things like that. So these jasmine flowers do grow in warmer tropical environments, um, but its particular scent or its odor is kind of, some people think that it has a very lovely, nice smell. However, a lot of people, when they smell it, almost say that it smells like urine, it smells like pee. That, that's kind of, so yeah, I don't, anyways, I don't, it, I've never personally smelled one. So like I said, some people sm- say they smell really nice. Some say they smell like urine. Anyways, so Kevin came back to his, his store and got this odor of this, you know, what he claimed as a, a jasmine flower. So he's wondering where the smell is coming from. He, he couldn't figure it out because the smell wasn't there before in his shop. So he's looking around and he realizes that all the lights in the basement were broken. And so this he talked to this employee that was freaking out and they told him that they had heard, quote, otherworldly screaming from the basement. And this apparently hadn't happened before, e- e- even despite some of the antiques he, he might have owned. They said nothing like this had happened before. 
So that's why this person was freaking out because they're hearing these, quote, otherworldly screaming from the basement. So this employee actually did quit and never came back because of this. Now, despite this, I guess Kevin didn't think much of it. And he actually decided to gift this box to his own mother. He wanted to give her a nice gift, so he prepared the box, made it look nice. And of course, during this, during this time when he was decided he was going to present as, as a gift to his mother, he opened it. Despite the warning from the granddaughter of the woman who survived the Holocaust that had it, even though she warned him not to open it, he opened it. Inside, he found a statue, and it had the word Shalom written on it. There were two locks of hair, a candlestick holder, and some dried rosebuds. So some of the items in the box have been disputed by other sources, um, but most that I've seen, this is these are items that were quoted as being in it. So Kevin's mother came to his shop, and that's when he decided to give her this box. So when he gave her the box, he left her alone to go, you know, he went upstairs to tend to some happenings in his store, said, hey, here you go, here's this box I got for you. Um, he came back down to the basement after he'd finished up whatever he was doing, and he found his mother just sitting in a chair, not, not saying anything, just sitting there, silent, not doing anything. And he, he wasn't sure what was going on. He, he couldn't figure out. He asked her what's going on, like sh no response. So he decided to take her to the hospital where it was determined that she actually suffered a severe stroke and actually lost some of her ability to speak. I'm sure that's part why she uh, wasn't responding to him. Now, it took her some time through rehab to be able to uh, regain her speech and whatnot. But during this time, she would use a board to converse. So... Kevin would go visit her, and on one particular day, he was visiting her, and on this, this board that she was using to communicate, she wrote the words, quote, no gift. So Kevin wasn't really sure what that meant. He was kind of confused by it, and he basically reassured her that, that he, you know, he, he got her this box for her birthday as this present, right? But then she wrote again, quote, hate gift. So now he's kind of thinking, well, okay, I'm, you hate this box that I gave you? Which, you know, you can understand, it'd be confusing. You're, you're, you have this cool antique box, you want to gift it to your mother, and then she has a stroke, and then she writes on this, says, hate gift. You'd, I'm sure you'd be hurt by that. So anyways, after this, Kevin decided that it was a good idea just to, to get rid of the box, just to sell it. You know, he had this weird thing happen with his employee where they told him there's the screaming, the broken lights. His mother's found downstairs, later realized that she had a stroke. And she says that she hates the gift through this board she wrote. So he decides to sell it. He had tried to give it to other family members before this, but nobody wanted it. He did. His sister did take it at first, but she gave it back after a week, claiming that the doors of the box kept opening on their own. So she didn't want anything to do with that. So she gave it back to him. He agreed to take it back. So he did take this, this box, but he only kept it for a few days, claiming that it smelled horrible. And I, I think that might be the, uh, the jasmine flower scent, but more smelling more like pee. Now, he was able to sell the box to an older, older couple. So this older couple, they also returned the box as well after dealing with some incidents as well. They returned the box in the middle of the night when nobody was at the shop. And they just left a note. And on the note, it said, this box has a bad darkness. That, that was the quote. This, that was actually written on the note. This box has a bad darkness. So obviously, they had something occur. Maybe the bad smell. You know, maybe the door's opening. Weird sense or something. Anyways. I couldn't find reports exactly with this couple, what they experienced. So anyways, now Kevin has the box again, and he's having trouble getting rid of it. So instead of trying to sell it again or leave it somewhere, get rid of it, destroy it, whatever, he thought it was a good idea to take it home. Yeah, he took it home with him, okay? You, you've already had these weird happenings with it. Last person just brought it back with a note saying that it has bad darkness, and he brings it home. 
Okay, anyway, so he brought it home. And as soon as he brought it home, weird things started to happen. Uh, he s- claims that he started seeing shadow figures throughout his house. He would have terrible dreams or nightmares. And the specific nightmare that he would have, he would ha- it would happen often apparently, was a nightmare about an old lady basically that would beat him. Now, Kevin stated that after these dreams, he would wake up and find himself covered in bruises like he'd actually been beaten. He told his family about these dreams and the, and the happenings and the ones that had the box in their possession told him that they had experienced this same dream or nightmare and also having same incidences of having bruises when they woke up. So Kevin decided he should take the box out of his house and he put it into a shed in his backyard, hoping this might stop the weirdness, right? Yeah, well, nothing changed. Um, His nightmares kept happening. And again, he kept having the jasmine flower scent, which again can, to some people, smell like urine. So he decided that he needed to get rid of it and just sell it to anyone so he decided to put it on ebay so this was a couple years later so remember i said he bought it in 2001 now we're in 2003 so the person that bought it it was a college student that purchased it in 2003 now i'm not going to give the name of this college student because multiple sources have different names so i'm, I'm just not even going to bother it seems like it's been all over the place with this story so anyways this college student began experiencing weird things just like kevin experienced having trouble sleeping nightmares uh, one point even claims that he woke up to having bugs climbing all over his his room and, and the box. Uh, the college student and his roommates that he lived with, they also claimed to smell the jasmine flower scent as well, smelling like, like urine or pee um, or specifically even cat pee. A lot of, I, I forgot to mention, a lot of people claim that it smells like cat, cat urine. So again, this college student, he also claims to have started seeing shadow figures. He claims that he was losing his hair. Um, people stopped talking to him. So this college student, he owned this box for eight months. That's it. And he put it back up for sale. So at this time, while the student had the box, these eight months, he also was writing a blog about the strange things that had been happening to him. There was a man by the name of Jason, excuse me, there was a man by the name of Jason Haxton, who then later decided to buy the box from him for, from the resources I found, for $280. And this was after he had read the student's blog. And he basically, he wanted to prove that there had to be some sort of explanation for this, some sort of scientific explanation for the happenings around this box and what was going on. So this gentleman, Jason Haxton, he owned a medical museum. And when he brought the box into this museum, uh, he claims that his computer stopped working all of a sudden. Just he brought it in and computer stopped working. He claims that important data was lost. And again, he smelled jasmine flowers in the air of this museum that he'd never noticed smelling before. Uh, An employee of this medical museum stated that their grandparents actually passed away suddenly and unexpectedly shortly after this box was brought into this museum. And this employee and others basically begged Jason to, to get rid of it anyway, just get it out of there. So Jason, he did agree, and he took the box home as well. Probably not the best choice. Um... So it wasn't much longer after this, he started experiencing basically the same thing everybody else had been experiencing, seeing the shadow figures, having nightmares, things like that. But the worst thing happened when he was watching TV with his son. His son said that he had been seeing things moving out of the corner of his eyes as well. You know, he told his dad, hey, I'm, I'm you know, kind of like probably questioning, right? Like, what is, what am I seeing? So he, he mentions this to his father, Jason, when he mentioned, so this is when they're watching TV. This is all what, so 
when he mentions this to his father, Jason turns to look at his son, and he, according to him, states that he saw a large, shadowy figure or mass standing directly behind his son. Now, that would freak me out. You know, I'll probably freak you out too, right? If you're sitting there with your child and they tell you, you've got this thing you brought in, you're having these weird occurrences, seeing things, and then your child says, oh, hey, dad, I've been seeing stuff. And then you turn and see this giant shadowy mask behind your child. Yeah, I think I would be freaked out too. So one of Jason's dreams, I want to go back to, he was talking about having dreams as well. Um, he actually dreamt that a friend of his turned into a demonic old lady and then would beat him. So a lot like Kevin's nightmares of this old lady that would beat him. So very similar, right? And according to him, Jason, just like Kevin said, Jason would wake up with bruises or welts all over his body. Pretty similar, right? Pretty scary. So Jason, he, he also at one point was actually spitting up blood when talking to his wife. He was, you know, whatever they're at their house, whatever they're talking, and he starts coughing up blood. And he wasn't sure why. He, he didn't know. He apparently had no health issues or anything and just starts spitting up blood. Yeah, that'd be really bad and really frightening if you're spitting up blood and you don't know why. So but he, what he realized was that all this stuff started occurring when he brought this box into his house. That's when things started happening. Now, Jason, he was still determined to figure out what the deal was with this box, why these things are occurring to him and to other people. So Jason started doing tests on this box for anything that might be causing these people to have these these incidences or incidences or get sick or anything. But all of his tests he was performing just basically came back negative. It, it didn't add match up to what he was thinking or finding anything around this box. So he decided to discuss this with some paranormal experts. Now these paranormal experts, they told him that he needed to try and contain the box. What they told him was that he should place it in some sort of container that's lined with gold. So he decided to do that. He found a container large enough to put it in. He lined it with gold. He placed it in there. And he claims that this actually worked, that all of the negative effects around it stopped after he placed it in this box, which, okay, that's a good thing. That sounds good. Now, after this, it was decided that he should probably get rid of it, but not in the sense of like before where everybody was just selling it off to somebody else. Like, Let me just give it to you. you. You take it. It's your problem now. He actually decided to put it into a larger box, and they, they, every source I saw, they quoted as a military-grade box. Don't get me started on that. Having served in the, in the military in the U.S. Navy, that term, military-grade, in my personal opinion, <clears throat> BS. So anyways, he put it in this, quote, military-grade box, and then buried it in an undisclosed location. So after this, Jason went and decided to write a book. He spent nine months writing a book about the box and the experiences that he had had. Through all of his research, Jason, he was able to trace the box back to this original owner, the old lady that survived the Holocaust. And through this research, he found that this lady, she, again, she had survived the Holocaust, purchased the box in Spain during World War II. According to him in his research, this woman's name was Havala, and the information about her was gained through her cousin. That's where he found this information about her. So according to his research, Havala was using a Ouija board to contact good spirits in hopes of fighting back against the Nazis during World War II. 
it seems totally pure and you think about that like okay i'm gonna you know you might have different thoughts about ouija ouija boards ouija i tend to say ouija but ouija you know you think good intentions right that she wants to contact good spirits to help fight against the nazi regime okay seems pure at heart however when she was using the ouija board and doing this uh, according to him and his uh, jason and his research she accidentally released a very evil spirit that she ended up containing within this infamous dybbuk box sounds pretty cool so according to jason's research havala she kept the spirit in this box for as long as she had it but wouldn't allow anybody to open it like she like her granddaughter warned she wouldn't open it. she so according to this she contained it and just kept it and just left it shut forever and then later obviously when she passed her granddaughter came in possession of it who wanted to get rid of it sold it but warned to never open it kevin got it opened it and everything started happening from there spiraling out of control and going on from there and all these accounts of everything happening so that's kind of neat so where does that put us now in in modern times so in 2017 zach baggins of ghost adventures that the show i'm you know if you've seen it it's pretty cool i like watching it they do some pretty cool stuff there's some stuff on there some episodes that i've seen that are eh, seem a bit silly i know they try to do a good job of trying to debunk things in their shows but anyways i've always liked watching that show ghost adventures and zach baggins he's a you know seems a he's a pretty extreme guy seems like on that show but it's fun to watch so if you haven't seen it check it out it's it's a pretty cool show um so some sources claim that jason donated it to zach baggins others that zach paid ten thousand dollars for it everything i've seen says that he paid ten thousand dollars for it um i know on the, there's a show he mentions it so zach placed this box in his own museum that he has in las vegas now at first zach he wasn't letting anybody under the age of 18 even see this box you had to be an adult you had to sign a waiver in order to check it out and basically it was a waiver basically taking all the responsibility away from him and saying look if you want to see this you're on your own if anything happens so the following year in 2018 uh, post malone the musician i'm sure you've heard of him if you haven't check him out it, his music he has a couple songs that i i like but for the most part whatever anyways he's a famous musician you've probably heard of him he wanted to check this out so he actually went to this museum with zach and basically zach was like hey you want to check it out and post malone was like yeah okay so zach actually took the um he had a glass uh container uh around it he actually took it off and let post malone touch the box so during this i misspoke so zach took the glass container off and he zach himself he touched it for the first time while doing so post malone actually touched zach at the same time now according to some people it's believed that this actually led post malone to being cursed well how why what happened so shortly after this visit post malone had a flight to go to london so he went on this flight to london and according to resources the tires on the landing gears blew out but the plane was still able to land safely despite this but of course you know that doesn't typically happen these you know aircraft tires are are big like 100 ply tires and they don't just randomly blow out on their own so yeah that happened but they landed okay now a few days later there was actually a group of three men who broke in to post malone's previous house he had moved out he didn't own the house anymore but there are three men that broke into this house that he previously owned 
they came in and they shot the current owner while they were looking for Post Malone. So obviously they were there to attack him or murder him or something, but they attacked and shot the current owner of the house at the time. Now, if you didn't think that was bad enough, he was in a car accident just a few days later as well. So Post Malone was mostly unharmed, nothing major, didn't have any major injuries or anything like that, but he believed that there was a more sinister force behind this and believed that it was related to this incident where he touched Zach Baggins, who was touching the Dybbuk box. So that's unfortunate for Post Malone, but it seems like that's the only misfortune he had were those few incidences, but they happened just all within a short period right after that that time. Now, later in 2020, Zach Baggins uh, decided to quarantine in the museum during the beginning of the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, and they used this for his show, and on the season finale of his show in that summer, he decided to open the box. So according to Zach Baggins, he claim, states that there are 10 Dybbuk boxes in the world and that he owns two of them. Also, he stated that two of the boxes are uncounted for and possibly buried somewhere so that no one can find them. Now, Jason, the gentleman that had it and had done all this research before and before he either donated or sold it to Zach, he said that he didn't agree with this and he claims that this is the only Dybbuk box. So this is the true it's a single item. This is the only one in the world. Either way, whether you th- believe that there's this one or there's 10, like Zach Baggins states, um, I know I had mentioned at the beginning of this episode that there were claims of others being around in the world. Uh, in some of my research, I found a lot of that statement as well, that there are others around the globe as well. So regardless, whether it's one or there's multiples, it's, let's just say, if, if you have the chance to see one of these, Maybe don't see it. Maybe don't look at it or get near one. Don't open it. Don't touch it. Don't buy it. Don't buy it on eBay. Um, you know, it's it's almost like Pandora's box, right? You don't know what's going to come of it, especially if you open it. Pretty mysterious and, and evil spirits. You know, it, uh, it just sounds pretty scary. So this thing that I want to mention as well, in 2021, Kevin Manis, the gentleman who originally supposedly purchased it in 2001, he actually told Input Magazine, that the story of him, all this, all the occurrences, everything happening was totally fake. He said that it was totally fictional, that none of it is real. Um, yeah. So he, he's basically, so Kevin Manis, not only is he the owner of this, this antique store, he's also a writer. And so he purchased this supposed box, which turns out some people claim that it's uh, a wine cabinet or like a liquor box. So he bought it at a yard sale from a local attorney in Portland, Oregon. And that's when he started developing this backstory. So he, this was 2003. This was 2003 when he bought it. And he developed his backstory to 2001. According to Kevin Manis, quote, The carving in the back of it is my carving. The stone that was in the box is something that is a signature creation of mine also. Make no mistake... I conceived the Dybbuk box, the name, the term, the idea. And I wrote this creative story around it to post on eBay. So, you know, he's saying that this is all fake and he just created it, you know, I guess to have some fun. So he auctioned it and in the description on eBay, the eBay description, it included the story claiming that the cabinet was previously owned by the survivor of the Holocaust from Poland who said it contained the spirit that was caught, known as a Dybbuk. And that the box had paranormal powers 
and was, re- was responsible for his bad luck and these nightmares, and that the subsequent owners retold Manus the story when reselling it over and over that you know and saying that it amplified and that of these strange phenomena right so is it real is it is it fake is it fiction back in 2014 before all of this a skeptical author by the name of brian dunning he actually was allowed to investigate the box uh or i should say he he investigated the box legend and he determined that quote the whole idea of the box being inhabited by a dybbuk is nonsensical according to what a dybbuk is supposed to be the encyclopedia mythica describes it as a disembodied spirit possessing a living body that belongs to another soul and usually talks from that person's mouth an important 1914 yiddish play the dybbuk was about the spirit of a dead man who possessed the living body of the woman he had loved and had to be exercised nowhere in the folkloric literature is there precedence for a dybbuk inhabiting a box or other inanimate object. You know, he's saying this, he's a skeptical, he does this research, and he's saying, well, here's this, why would there be this thing in this box if it is only, according to these mythologies, going to possess a human and won't inhabit some sort of inanimate object? So, okay, that makes you think that this uh, Kevin Manis' story had to be fake, right? All right, so in... Skeptical Inquire Online, uh, he had a section called Closer Look. It was a column called Closer Look. And in January 2019, uh, investigator Kenny Bindle, he reviewed the Dybbuk box on display at Zach Baggins Haunted Museum in Las Vegas. And he concluded, uh, following careful investigation of this, the construction of and the history of the box, he says, quote, despite what various owners would have us think, the infamous Dybbuk box is not a haunted Jewish wine cabinet from Spain, but instead a mini bar from New York. Now, Bindle, he also wrote that he believed that Kevin Manis created this story around it from, quote, whole cloth. He just totally created this uh, elaborate story uh, that started this whole legend. Um, and there was no accounts for the, su- the supernatural events around it. No, no real uh, accounts uh, surrounding the supernatural events of it. Basically, he said that Manus came up with this fictional backstory uh, to basically help sell items and or this mini bar at his antique store. Um, Biddle's claim of the box and its legend being fraudulent is backed up by a screen capture. There was a a Facebook post made by the originator of the legend, Kevin Manus, to the, it's the Haunt Me, and and Me is capitalized, Haunt Me, M-E, page on Facebook which dates back to, according to Bindle, uh, dates back to October of 2015. And this is what that post says. Quote, I am the original creator of the story of the Dybbuk box, which appeared as one of my eBay posts back in 2003. How about this? If you or anyone else can find any reference to a Dybbuk box anywhere in history prior to my eBay post, I will pay you $100,000 and... Tattoo your name on my forehead. In 2021, Manus, he did admit to writer Charles Moss that the box was his own creation, this whole story behind it. And he said, quote, I am a creative writer. The Dybbuk box is a story that I created. And the Dybbuk box story has done exactly what I intended it to do when I posted it 20 years ago, which is to become an interactive horror story in real time. Also, quote, 
added new elements to the Dybbuk box story over the years to help it evolve it, keeping it relevant and interesting. So it almost reminds me of like, um, like Slenderman, you know, is this fictional character creature that was created online and people kind of ran with it on their own, adding to it, things like that, and growing the story more elaborate as it went along. That's kind of what this reminds me of. But th this, the Dybbuk box, I mean, it, it took on a whole new life of its own when, when he created this, if supposedly he did create this as a fake story. Let, let's step back and, and say for a second, so let's say it was all real. Let's say he didn't make it up. Let's say this was real. There was this box. This lady, Holocaust survivor, found, bought it in Spain, was using a Ouija board to help fight the Nazis, but brought some evil spirit. She captured this box. Then all these things started happening years later. It was sold, so on and so forth. All this stuff happened. You know, okay, if it's true, wow, I mean, that's really spooky. That's really scary. But then, according to this, there, there's so much evidence that it, it obviously is, is fictional. And if Zach Baggins did indeed pay $10,000 for it, I feel bad for him spending that much money on this thing that's just totally fake. So, yeah, if Zach Baggins spent that much money to purchase this for his museum, you know, that's really unfortunate. You know, he was taken for a ride then, essentially, right? If this is all fake. He basically just has this uh, uh, box from New York that's essentially who knows what the actual value of it. You know, I, it, I suppose it could still be an antique, but it obviously doesn't have this, you know, the, this whole backstory going uh, so far back with all the, the demonic possession, all that sort of thing and all the, the crazy happenings that went along with it. So I don't know. Yeah, it's, it seems really unfortunate for him and, and everybody that was duped by it. You know, people that went to the museum and wanted to see it. But it makes you think, like like talking about the story about Post Malone with all the things he had afterwards, you know, is there really a curse with it? Are you cursed if you see it or touch it or whatever and act with it? I don't know. It makes me feel like that Post Malone may have just been, you know, had a string of bad luck or something. Some bad occurrences just happened to happen all at the same time. So who knows? Yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was fun to research this. Very interesting. Pretty cool story, even if it is fake. I'm definitely after reading this and seeing the evidence, you know, definitely believe that it is, you know, either way, really interesting, really cool, neat idea. Definitely a good, you know, spooky Halloween story. It could be definitely would be a good story to, you know, maybe uh, evolve it into your own as a, a, a nice spooky Halloween night story or, or a spooky around the campfire kind of story, thing like that. That could be fun. So yeah, if you like it, you know, maybe adopt it into your own, you know, change it a little bit, have some fun with it, you know, run with it. Don't, don't do anything too crazy. H have fun with it. Kind of like the whole Slenderman thing, like I mentioned before, you know, add to it as you will. Have some fun with it, right? You know, it's, that's some of the fun or some of the reasons I enjoy this time of year is, is even stuff like this that I know are fake, that are fictional tales. It, it can be fun to let your imagination run wild and, and scare yourself, right? That's, why we like watching horror movies that's why i like watching horror movies it's like it makes you feel alive afterwards like you, you know it's fake it's just for fun yes there are ones that are based on real stories of course but you know it's for fun and actually that makes me remember i totally forgot to mention there was actually a movie uh that came out that was done by guillermo del toro i, I believe if i'm correct in uh 2012 uh called the possession that was about this was about the dibuk box and apparently their production had all kinds of problems and, and issues while they were trying to film. So was it related to the, the Dybbuk box and actually being possessed? Or was it just bad luck during the filming? 
again, if the story is all fake, then, you know, I guess they might have just been having bad luck, bad equipment, who knows, whatever. And it makes me feel sorry for him as a filmmaker and everybody involved in that. Also, too, if this is all fake, like they made this multi-million dollar box office movie. It it did was sort of successful. It wasn't a major hit success, but it, it did make money. I believe it was like $40 million budget and made like $90 million. So just over double its budget. So it still made money, but, you know, wasn't the big hit that thought it was going to be. So anyways, yeah, if you enjoyed this, let me know if you have any stories related to the Dybbuk box or anything similar, let me know as well. I'd love to hear it. I hope you keep enjoying October. I uh, hope you're looking forward to Halloween and you enjoy it when it gets here. I know I'm looking forward to it. And if you want to reach out to me, you can find me on Facebook, Our Weird World. I'll have it linked in the notes. You can also send me an email at ourweirdworldpodcast at gmail.com. That's going to be the best way to get in touch with me if you want to just ask me a question, send me a suggestion, whatever. If you want to just say hi, if you want to say happy Halloween, whatever, that's fine too. I'd love to hear it. Until then, take care. We'll catch you next time.